Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? Good morning, Double A. Man, despite the fact that it was a, a bye week, do we have a lot to talk about today. And uh, I think the first thing we want to tell our guests, our, our, our listening audience, is we have an absolutely amazing special guest who will be coming on shortly, Les Wilfong from Windy City Grand Iron, one of the best riders following the Bears uh, in the market today. And he's agreed to join us, and he'll be he'll be coming on in about uh, 25 or 30 minutes from now. Yeah, fantastic. Lester's a, a great follow and a great uh, contributor and does great work over there at uh, Windy City Gridiron. Lester has also gotten behind the Tick Splits movement, and he's uh, been kind enough to share our story in some of his articles. So uh, we really appreciate that as well. Sure thing. So what's on the docket, Mr. Halitek? Well, we we have to talk about uh, we have to talk about the bye week. We have to talk about um, you know what's coming up in, against the Saints. Uh, a lot of movement in personnel over the bye week that just transpired over the last couple of days. So we'll we'll get into that. We're going to talk a little bit of Bears history. I. I tweaked you a little bit. It's a it's a what if in Bears history, and it, it revolves around the great running backs that we've had since the early 60s. All right, well, great. Let's get into it. So first things first, Trubisky came back to practice this week. Uh, T- Taylor Gabriel came back. While Nichols came back, uh, but it wasn't without some terrible news on the injury front, both Kyle Long, who has been struggling all year. Uh, he's on IR or IL, whatever they call it nowadays. He's lost for the year. Akeem Hicks also went on the injury list. He's going to be hopefully back sometime this year. Uh, apparently, you don't have to do a designated for return at the, at the time they go on IL anymore. Right. So that's a good thing. And, of course, then we brought up a couple of uh, prospects. Abdullah came up, uh, which was kind of interesting in that when they announced that Kyle Long was going on the injury list and lost for the year, they brought up a defensive lineman. And then the very next day, they put Akeem on the injured list, and they brought up an offensive lineman. So it's I'm assuming that it was just a matter of timing and they were going to bring up both guys anyway, but it was just interesting in the way in which it, it transpired. So uh, a lot of people, uh, including Lester, when he comes on uh, later on, he will tell you that he was, he was hoping that Bars was going to make the roster and he was literally not sure. In fact, he was pretty much uh, thinking that that some team was going to pick him up, uh, but he made it through waivers and ended up on the uh, uh, practice squad. Uh, interesting story about bars. The New England Patriots contacted him and wanted to actually sign him to the Patriots active roster, and he chose to stay. Bears management raised his pay to the minimum required rookie pay scale that he would have made with New England and kept him on the practice squad, assuming, knowing full well with the injury concerns with with Kyle Long, that it wasn't going to be long before he was moved up. So congratulations to to this guy, rookie, uh, free agent out of Notre Dame. He got saddled with a ACL, uh, which prevented him from being drafted. He would probably been a high round draft choice. And now he's got a chance to show what he can do, and he's going to get thrown right into the mix with Larson and Cower uh, to fill that that void left by Kyle Long. And they need something because our offensive line has been uh, offensive, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I believe that Cower, uh, unless Larson has made a huge leap in his health, will make will get the first shot at. Uh, right guard uh he played pretty well when he came in um for larson in the washington game um and Nagy's talked about him liking what he brings uh in terms of his uh, edge and so i think that'll be what you see first um it wouldn't surprise me if uh if 
Larson is uh, not dressed um, and Bars is. Uh, it all depends on their on the practice reports, obviously, for the next couple of days. Uh, you know whether Larson's practicing in full or whatnot. Um, you know, in terms of Kyle Long, great great bear, great uh, player for us. Um, you know, uh, it's it's sad to see, but this is what happens in the NFL. Guys just break down. He certainly uh, has had so many injuries and surgeries and and so forth. So, uh, you know, you hate to see it, but ultimately, I think we're a better team with him on the injured reserve uh, than him on the roster. It just wasn't working. He wasn't. And and with the type of you know blocking that the Bears do with the zone blocking, one person being that bad really drags everybody else down, especially on his side. So. Uh, you know, it was it was what needed to happen. They already kind of re- reworked his deal to sort of, you know, give him a chance to stay on. And, and you know, and a lot of people kind of knew this was coming. I and mean, I think people hoped that he would have a, you know, a rebound or a um, <clears throat> resurgence. But it's not really surprising that he ended up, uh, um, you know, in this situation. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he'll, I, I'll always remember him as one of the, the bright spots on some pretty bad teams um and you know hopefully he's around and he's you know continues to be a good leader just like he was last year i mean he was he was around and he was uh helping the team and um you know he's a, a i you know he's a bear for life i don't really see him playing for another team i, I kind of doubt i think he'll retire so i think you're right and sadly you know he's what spent parts of the last four seasons on the injured list and it's a it's sad but but a true thing that you you just talked about it's it's a way of life in the nfl in the trenches that you're going to get nicked and dinged the saddest part of all in my mind was he was so excited about this season yeah he he said he was healthy he said he's the best he's felt in years uh, and it was just sad that, I mean, from right off, I don't know when his hip was injured or if they weren't talking about an injured hip. Did it get injured in practice, in, in summer camp? Can't answer the question. But obviously, uh, the offensive line has had its problems since day one. Yeah. They didn't They didn't move the any Green Bay Packers off the line. And, and our running game has been... There hasn't been a running game. Right. It's a it's it's amazing that David Montgomery was is a, as effective as he is. He's what about 3.2 yards per carry, and and you know everybody is on Twitter talking about what it should have could have if we would have kept Jordan Howard. But, you know Jordan Howard was only 3.8, and his average yards per carry went way up in the last four games of the year. So. Um, hopefully this is the first step in getting the offensive line right, and uh, that will bode well for the rest of the offense moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and that's that's that, that's what we need. We need continuity over there. We need consistency, um, you know, just to keep, uh, you know, things moving in the right direction. Um, I, I really want to see Nagy. Um, you know, have a commitment to the run, but ultimately when Mitch comes back, I think that um, what we need to see is uh, him, you know, be aggressive. Um, They can't continue to play this style where, um, you know, they, they sort of play to not to lose. Um, You know, it's, they, they, hopefully this solidifies the offensive line. Uh, They continue to move forward in the direction that they were going before uh, with the, you know, coming out of the huddle quickly and going with tempo and Mitch getting a long time to kind of survey the defense with the uh, play clock, um, you know, going down. And, you know, that's that's what we want to see. Um, you know, obviously the run game needs to get going, but um, we have to have an offense that is a threat to score. Um, and the number of trips to the red zone the Bears have had this year is just atrocious. I mean, the the offensive rankings are some of the worst. I mean, I looked back and it's it's been years since the Bears have had this this um, poorly ranked of an offense. Um, and it's you know for Nagy to be this uh, offensive 
guru and for them to have spent all this money on uh, free agents and, you know, put all this draft capital into offensive players and have it pan out this way. I'm sure he's, you know, dumbfounded and frustrated as much as anybody, but it's a, it's a bad uh, situation. And I just think at the end of the day, get the, you know, we get the offensive line a little more solidified and let's go, you know, there's no point in, in Mitch kind of being a game manager um, it's not going to get us anywhere. I, I don't, I, I'd much rather see Mitch out there throwing the ball, trying to make plays. And, you know, if he, if he turns it over, he turns it over. I'd much rather see a, a turnover on a 50 yard pass than us three and out, you know, um, and then put the defense back on the field. So, um, you know, hopefully this is a move in the right direction. Uh, also, um, Dax Raymond uh, rejoined the practice squad. So, Maybe there's some something that we could look forward to in the tight end department because the tight ends have just been pathetic. Um, you know, J.P. Holtz has had a couple flashes, but other than that, it's been pathetic. Uh, Abdullah Anderson, I don't understand why he ever got sent down. Jonathan Harris played terribly in the Raiders game. I don't understand why Anderson wasn't in that game, wasn't on the active roster. Maybe they just wanted to see what they had with Harris for some reason, but hopefully that, that change doesn't happen again and then uh Bilal Bilal's gotta you know he's gotta be a part of this team and hopefully he is healthy and contributing because without Akeem Hicks you know we uh we got problems uh, up the middle well where, where do I start after all of that um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Mitch uh we have to see the Mitch we saw in that one quarter against Washington uh, they they moved the ball. Uh, they specifically schemed a plan to focus on another receiver other than Allen Robinson, and that receiver was Taylor Gabriel. He had his arguably his best game as a Bear, and then he suffered the, the concussion towards the end of the game. Uh, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen. We haven't seen. Nagy's offense, Helfrich's offense, scheme anybody else into the game plan other than when all else fails, let's throw it to Allen Robinson. Not a bad thing to do because he's having an all-world year by any Bears wide receiver standards. But the offense has to be far more versatile. They have to be far more there has to be far more variations in this offense in order for it to all work. So hopefully with the uh, offensive line changing, uh, we don't have Kyle Long in the lap of the quarterback like he was when when Daniels was in, like he what Daniel was in, like the the one the one bad pass that Trubisky had, the interception in the red zone. Uh, where he couldn't get the ball enough behind the ball because Kyle Long was sitting in his lap because he got bull rushed right into Trubisky. Trubisky has to be the Trubisky we saw last year in a lot of spots. The last six games of the year, he led the league in, in completion percentage. He had six touchdowns against Tampa. He had some great downfield throws. He led, in only 14 games played, Mitch Trubisky led the entire league with the most completed passes thrown 50 yards or longer. He led the league. Nobody realizes that, and we haven't seen that. I don't think we've seen one pass go beyond 50 yards in the entire first five games of the year. So we got to take our shots downfield to open up the middle of the, the game, the middle of the field, to open up the running game. If you don't have a successful running game, play action passes don't work. And if play action passes don't work, you don't have the time for a quarterback to fake a run, get back deeper into the pocket in order to get those long throws downfield. So it's all a catch 22. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it Trubisky throwing the ball downfield or is it the offensive line giving him enough time and opening up enough holes in the running game to make play action passing effective? So that's one problem. 
Bilal Nichols coming back to the lineup is a huge boost to the defensive line, considering we just lost Akeem Hicks because he was, you know, he was playing like a beast until he broke his hand. His hand's not going to be completely healed, but we need him now. So he's he's back in the lineup. He's back at practice. We haven't seen Trey Burton at all this year, save for a couple of catches, and we need him to start performing to his potential. And last but not least, Tariq Cohen has been absolutely hidden in this lineup. So too has Cordero Patterson been hidden in this lineup. The only time you see Patterson on the field, he's he's had a couple of, of shifts at wide receiver. He lines up at, at tailback, but only in a wildcat. So or he had one run against Green Bay, I think, on third and one, and everybody in the entire stadium, and you and I were there. We all knew who was getting the ball, and it got snuffed out for a three-yard loss. So we heard a lot about Nagy saying we need to self-scout. Well, you and I can self-scout this team, and if we can do it, then obviously there's some glaring issues with this offense that they're just not performing. Somebody on, on uh, I, I saw an interview yesterday, and I can't remember who the interviewee was, but he was talking about the pass, uh, the interception that Green Bay had at the end of the game. And they said it was basically the same pattern that they had run earlier in the, in the game where you had Robinson lined up inside and they knew he was going to run an out pattern towards the corner. All they did was flip the formation from the right side to the left side of the field. The Green Bay knew it was coming. Well, we can't have that. We can't be predictable with all of the formations that we've seen, with all of the play calling prowess that we claim to have on offense. It's got to stop. And it's got to be the innovative offense that we saw last year. We haven't seen yet, at least in my mind, when Nagy talked earlier this summer about we've got to do what works. We have to do what Trubisky's comfortable with, what I'm comfortable with, what we're comfortable with together. And we've seen a hodgepodge of offensive play calling. We haven't seen a game plan, at least to my untrained eye. We haven't seen a game plan, and maybe it's because since we have such an inept offensive line in the first five games, the game plan just doesn't work. So it's got to get better, and it's got to get better starting this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've seen some game. You know, I think that the game plan in the game we saw a game plan in Green Bay, and it was a bad one. We saw a, a pretty good game plan in Denver, but it was just barely enough to to have them survive, and it needed some late game heroics. Um, you know, we, we basically, you know, relied on the defense against, uh, Minnesota and then, um, you know, who knows what the game plan would have been. I think it would have been similar to the Washington game plan. I mean, that's the best game plan we've seen is the Washington game plan. Um, and that's hopefully where we're, where we're going, you know, quick out of the huddle, uh, tempo offense, you know, Mitch gets a long time to look at the defense while the play clock goes down. Nagy's in his ear telling him what he sees and, you know, hopefully we'll be all right. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe the shoulder uh, injury makes it so that Mitch throws the ball away a little more and uh, doesn't try to run. Um, you know, at the end of the day, as much as it's fun to see a quarterback run sometimes, it's not a formula for longevity in the league. I mean, you have a running quarterback. You're basically your best case scenario is like a Cam Newton, and you see where he's at right now. I mean, he's beat up and he's beat down, and he's probably not going to get his job back. And <clears throat> so, you know, realistically, you can't last long in this league having your quarterback be your second highest rusher on the team. Um, you know, because if you take away the 400 yards that Mitch Trubisky ran for last year, the running game's even more anemic uh, than it was. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel confident that they're going to come out with a good game plan. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that, 
they should have a, a good opportunity to, to win this game. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, there's no reason why when you look at the schedule, the Bears can't beat every team that's left on their schedule. The way that this season has played out, you know, it, I'm tired of talking about strength of schedule and, oh, look at the Bears second. It doesn't make any difference because every single week is a different week. The Cowboys don't look like they used to look. The Chiefs are looking suspect. You know, um, the Rams, the Rams are, you know, it's there's not you can't sit there and predict four or five, six weeks in advance. It's just not even worth doing. Uh, and everybody wants to, to, to give out the MVP award and crown the Super Bowl champion after every week. But, you know, uh, so all of a sudden you're telling me the Jets are a good team now. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, for all the misfortune and bad things that have happened this season for the Bears to be three and two is a pretty good spot to be. And, um, you know, I think that they, you know, they have a good opportunity to to start the rest of the season off on a high note and, and just get the ball rolling. You know, you brought up a couple of interesting points. And one of them, you were talking about Nagy in, in the ear of Trubisky pre-snap. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if... If that's affecting Trubisky because he's paying so much attention listening to Nagy that he's just not reacting during the play. So when Nagy, I'm sorry, when Trubisky has been at its best is when he's reacting. Mm -hmm. Drive against Denver, you know, the, the rhythmic offense that we saw against Washington, uh, that's when we've seen Trubisky at his best. And we're not seeing that. So I'm wondering if that is causing a negative effect on Trubisky's performance. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I think that they switched to that for the Washington game, and I think it was a positive. But I do agree with you. I think the less that, in general, Mitch just needs to think less. Lewis Riddick said it on Waddle and Sylvie. He needs, he honestly, you know, I think it was apropos. He said, Mitch needs to care less. He needs to go out there and just let his talent, uh, you know, do what it does. He thinks way too much. He's OCD. I mean, if you read the uh, Chicago Magazine uh, profile on him, you know, he he folds his dirty laundry. He has a ton, you know, he, he's super meticulous about his fingernails. He's OCD. And he cares way too much. He needs a little more Jay Cutler, um, you know, don't care in him and just, you know, just let his talent do what it does because he's he, he's trying to have everything be perfect and he wants every route to be run perfectly. And it's like, that's just not reality. Routes get broken up. Guys get hung up. You know, they can't run every route perfectly. And he's afraid to throw the ball if he thinks that the route's not going to be perfect. And say what you want about Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, you know, he doesn't do that. He just throws the ball. And sometimes it gets picked off. But he trusts the offense to, to, to know that, you know, if I just do what I'm supposed to do, more often than not, the receiver's going to be there and we're going to make a play. Now, sometimes he might throw into three guys and, and make the wrong choice. But I just think Mitch has this paralysis by analysis thing that, you know, when he's forced to to do to just let his talent go. And, and you see it in the fourth quarter of the Denver game. You see it in the fourth quarter of the Eagles game. You see it when he when he his backs against the wall. He just relies on his instincts and his talent. And that's a lot better than relying on his, you know, where his head's at, because his head's obviously too full of stuff. And I think that's on Helfrich and Nagy. I think that they've put too much into him. And what we've got is a super talented receiver and Anthony Miller who we're not getting the ball to because of, you know, some little technical, it's like, you, you know, game plan to your talent. You know, it's like, it's great that you can run up all these, these complicated schemes and everything, but if your guys can't operate them, they're worthless. So, yeah. So, you know, as we look at the offense, you know, I just, I just want to see them, um, you know, simplify things. And I think they've done that. Um, but, you know, uh, go with what works. Um, and 
you know, let Mitch play. Let him, you know, I, I absolutely don't want to see them come out and be conservative. I have no interest in that. We have to find out what we have in this kid. I don't want to see us pick up a 50-year option on him and sign him to some, you know, and just have him be a guy. Like, it's just not worth it, you know. To, to, we, could, we could get a, a lower-priced quarterback to be that. I mean, you look at these teams – um, Mariota, Jameis Winston, now in their fifth years, um, and they're basically going to be gone. You know, Mariota's making twenty million dollars; he's going to be gone. I mean, do we? Is that really what we want to see with Mitch? We pick up a fifth-year option on him, pay him twenty million dollars just to be a guy? Like, I don't think that's worth it. Like, I think it's it's time to let him go, see what we've got, and let the chips fall where they may. You know, and not try to pretend that you know he can just be enough for the defense to carry everything because i don't think i just don't think that's realistic in this in the game today absolutely with all that said we're going to pause for a, a, a word from our sponsor tick splits and when we come back les wolfong from windy city gridiron will be joining us are you tired of ticket fees pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more go to ticksplits.com that's t-i-x-b-l-i-t-z.com fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets guaranteed seats no fees ticksplits.com that's t-i-x-b-l-i-t-z.com welcome back everybody thanks again to our sponsor ticksplits um you can go on ticksplits and find any tickets you need and of course the great part about ticksplits is that you pay no service fees. Uh, we are also proud to announce that uh, Tick Splits will be donating a portion of their proceeds through November to uh, Paralyzed Veterans Charities, uh, which is a fantastic uh, uh, thing to do for uh, Tick Splits. And we are very excited right now to uh, bring on a guest, um, Lester Wilfong uh, from Windy City Gridiron. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at W-I-L-T-F-O-N-G. JR, and then you can also find uh, Windy City Gridiron on Twitter at WCGRIDIRON, and then of course WindyCityGridiron.com. Good morning, Mr. Wilfong. Thanks for joining us. No problem, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good. Lester, Mike Halitech here, and again, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming on and joining us today. There's so much to talk about, uh, but I think the first thing we really have to talk about is the state of the officiating in the NFL this year because it's absolutely been terrible. Yeah, it's brutal this year. You know, I'm not sure if there's just uh, too many rules or they're just they're just not sure how to how to, how to uh, actually interpret the rules. But I actually had an article come up this morning on our site from uh, from uh, Will Robinson, aka Whiskey Ranger, and he has a lot of really cool ideas. It's some some stuff that he kind of took from the AAF with, this, with the Sky Judge. Um, and then as far as, you know, stripping the whole thing down and just redoing a lot of the rules, because I think there's just too many rules right now. The officials know what they're doing. It's just that they're not sure how to actually call the games right now. Yeah, the, uh, the the biggest problem, of course, was just highlighted on Monday Night Football. You have an absolutely horrid officiated game, and seemingly every single bad call went the Packers' way. And it was just absolutely magnified over the fact that it was on national television. So everybody's yeah. watching. You know, when you get guys like Dan Orlovsky and Barry Sanders and Jack Del Rio all harping about the same thing, and I mean, let's recount it. Green Bay had 13 men on the field defensively. No penalty was called. They waited until Green Bay was able to call a timeout. The hands to the face, it was absolutely brutal two times uh, they you know on the same token when Green Bay lined up for a field goal and they didn't let Detroit call a timeout because they had 12 men on the field the pass interference call that literally changed the game and even the challenge on the Detroit catch that became no catch where he clearly had two feet down and as he was shifting the ball the ball slipped out of his hand was overturned to an incomplete pass, which caused a fourth down. So many, so many problems, and the list goes on and on and on. I can even go back to the very first game of the year when the, the interception that Trubisky threw to Robinson in the corner, there was clear, I thought, interference uh, on the play, but none was called. And, 
And there was a very enlightening comment that Nagy made right then and there at the beginning of the year, because somebody asked him in the post-game press conference, why didn't you challenge? He goes, the interference play or the play in the end zone? He says, they're not going to overturn that. And he's right. You know, there's been, what, four overturned calls on coaches' challenges and another two on booth reviews that were called from, from New York. It's absolutely incredulous. And when you come out yesterday in the and one of the league officials says, yeah, we would have liked to have seen that second hands-to-the-face call not called. Uh, yeah, obviously they admitted blame. But then they turned around and say, we think that the pass interference challenge is working perfectly. And we have no idea what pass interference is nowadays. And it's, it's this pass interference, what is and what isn't, is now worse, in my opinion, than what is and what was not a catch just two years ago. Yeah, it's like they really overthink the whole thing. You know, it's like they put the rule in place where they can let coaches uh, challenge pass interference but it also seems like they don't want to have the refs look bad by letting those get over overturned. So I'm not sure what the answer is in, in all this, but I think that there's just too much going on. I think there's too much for the refs to think about. I mean, honestly, a catch is a catch. It should not be this hard to figure out what a catch is. And, this, and the same goes with pass interference. I mean, you know it when you see it, but for some reason the refs, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not making the right call. And then when the coaches challenge it, you know, they're not going to overturn the refs' call. It's just a, a bad situation, and the, the, the penalties overall in the league are up, you know, a lot this year. The holding's up, you know, so they got to figure something out, and I'm not sure what the answer is. Well, one of the things that I think is going on is that the refs are trying to be consistent first and foremost, and, and it's obvious that they're doing that. So what you get is, like, almost it's almost like they're trying so hard to be consistent that they're not willing to actually take each – overturn and in and of itself for what it is because they're worried that well if we overturn this one then what's it going to mean for the next one and you know so on and so forth i mean early in the season you saw tons of holding penalties being called and then it seemed like tom brady tweeting about it all of a sudden changed that and and the holding call stopped you know um but now it's like they've got to call other things and i guarantee you that the Packers probably in their pre-meeting with the with the referees mentioned something about hands to the face, and here you go. You know you got Trey Flowers, who's never been flagged for that almost in his career, gets flagged, you know, for these penalties, and it's just it doesn't seem like it's a, you know, it's a coincidence. The thing about the refs is I don't necessarily blame them because they have an almost impossible job. There's no way that these guys on the field who are out there with no pads and no helmet basically you know in harm's way with these with these insane athletes who are running at ridiculous speeds can see it as well as the cameras can and so everybody at home now has a much better view than than anybody on the field i mean that's just reality i mean these cameras are better than the human eye now so for them to not embrace technology and have what you talk about that that eye in the sky at every game just doesn't make any sense. I mean, just like tennis, where they, where they, you know, brought in the computer because you know you have people serving the ball 140 miles an hour. You cannot physically see it. It's it's gotten to that point. You can't see this game and call it properly with the human eye on the field. So they have to embrace more technology. And instead of doing that, they put it in the coach's hands. And it's like, I mean, the coaches now have to weigh whether or not they should waste the time out and, you know, what it's going to, you know, how it's going to affect the game and this, that, and the other. And, and you know, what you've got is basically a rule that unless it's as egregious as the Saints play, I don't think they're overturning anything, um, you know, because they're worried about undermining the, 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 the calls on the field, which are already – you know, a challenge. I mean, I mean, how many times, you know, the bears have been penalized a ton this year and there's been a ton of ticky tack ones. I can think of two or three Amukamara illegal contact penalties this year that have been totally ridiculous. Like he brushes his hand across a face mask and they call, you know, illegal hands to the face, you know, and meanwhile, Bakhtiari can literally like put his hand in Trey flowers neck and the call goes the other way. I mean, there's been calls against Mac, where the exact same scenario, Mac is being literally mugged and he gets called for the penalty. So 
it's almost like I just want to see them let the line, the offensive and defensive lines play. And unless it's just egregious, don't call it, you know, just let them play. Uh, it, we watch this game for a reason. And if they're going to, you know, if it's going to start being so ticky tack and there's no contact basically allowed, then just, you know, just put flags on them. I mean, at, at some point, you know, <laughs> it, it seems like, like you said, you know, they have to embrace technology. And, and like you said, I think they're concerned with, you know, making the refs look bad. But I think what they should be most concerned with is getting the call right. And if, if getting the call right re- requires the, 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 the eye in the sky, and, and then so be it. I think something has to be done, and it has to be done. Uh, it probably won't be done this year, but I think, you know, next offseason, the, the rules committee will, will take a look at it because they're getting a lot of backlash. You mentioned some of the names of people that are complaining about it. You know, it's, it's not just fans. It's, it's people that are, that are dialed into the league. So mm-hmm. something has to happen, but it's probably not going to happen until the offseason. You're absolutely right. Lester, we could probably spend your entire time with us today <laughs> on, on officiating, but we we'll probably need to move on. Uh, you know, Bears just came off their bye week. We had some lackluster play on the offensive line, and I'm trying to be uh, diplomatic about it. Uh, we lost uh, Kyle Long to the, to the injured list. We lost Akeem Hicks to the injured list. Uh, one of your favorite Bears on the practice squad was elevated yesterday. Uh, guard uh, Notre Dame guard Bars. Uh, I can remember in the, in the uh, as they were cutting the roster down, you were just cringing at the thought that they cut Bars. Yeah. He's never going to make the practice squad, and and now here he is going to be thrown into the mix right away with Larson and Coward to battle for that that guard position. So. It, Bears tweeted last night uh, that the defense was moving in the right direction. And every single reply after that by fans was, what about the offense? Yeah. So no running back is produced. Uh, Gabriel flashed in the Redskins game, but other than that, it's been the, it's been the Anthony uh, or Allen Robinson show. Miller has been barely noticeable. Burton and Shaheen have been barely noticeable. We haven't seen Cohen do pretty much anything other than the punt return. And anytime Cordero Patterson is on the field, you can predict exactly what play is going to be run. So they spent a lot of time talking. The coaches were talking about self-scouting during the bye week. If I can see it with an untrained eye, and I'm sure you've seen it with an untrained eye, and you're you're probably far more trained at it than I am. Uh, how does Helfrich, Heastan, and Nagy fix what I think has been a train wreck so far through five games? I, I think it all starts up front. If they get the offensive line figured out, everything will fall into place. And I think the the biggest move there was obviously getting, getting rid of Kyle Long, putting him on injured reserve. And you know, it's, I feel bad for him because you know he's 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 one of my my all time uh, uh, all time favorite Bears. And uh, but he just was not the same player this season. You know, I don't know if it was the injuries caught up to him. If there was an injury he was trying to to, to go through with the hip there. I mean, he didn't pop up on the injury report until a few weeks ago, and then he missed the one game and he was back. So. I think with Kyle Long, it's just one of those things where, you know, he, he, he wanted to come back. He, he, he took the pay cut. Um, he, he wanted to gut it out. And for whatever reason, he couldn't do it. And unfortunately for the Bears, it took him this long to do it. I mean, I guess the best thing is, is the Bears are still three and two. I mean, it could have been worse with the way the offensive line has played. But it's not only Kyle Long. I mean, when I watched the film, I saw exactly what the Bears saw. You know, and on every given play, someone's making a mistake, whether it was Long or Leno or Massey or, 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 or Whitehair or Daniels. You know, there was a, a missed assignment on pretty much every single play. And these five guys just aren't playing with cohesion yet. You know, part of that is the switch with Daniels and Whitehair making the, 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 the flip of positions, take some time to get used to things. And, and they had a bad week one, but they got better sense. But again, it's just uh, mistakes. You know, uh, with Charles Leno, he's the most penalized you know, tackle in the league. You know, these guys just do, had to do some self-scouting, and they had to just basically, you know, take, take a hard look in the mirror and realize they got to play better. And I think after the bye, they could do that because this is a talented group. I mean, the Bears' offensive line, you know, was pretty good last year. They were at least a top-10 unit. I thought they were going to make some strides this year. Uh, so they just got to play better, and I think, I think they should do that coming out of the bye. We absolutely hope so. During the, you know, summer camp, Nagy was talking uh, in glowing terms about Mitch and going from 
from system 101, quarterback 101 to quarterback 202, and he's gone from 101 to remedial. And I'm sure that the offensive line plays a huge part in that. Back in the, the Washington game, we had that great quarter against Washington where Gabriel caught three touchdowns, but then everybody's bitching about the interception that he threw later in the game. Kyle Law was in his lap. He had no yeah. opportunity to get that ball out where it needed to be thrown because Kyle Long was literally spooning uh, Trubisky in the pocket. And I think that you're going to see exactly what you said as the offensive line hopefully starts to get some cohesion that you're, we're going to see the offense finally do what it needs to do. What are your thoughts on, you know, when you, we look at, at game plans, and again, with my untrained fan's eye, I haven't seen much of a game plan in this. Is it because of the failure of the offensive line? Is it, you know, Nagy doing, trying to throw in all of his trick formations and fancy things that he likes to do? Uh, is, is Mitch Trubisky uh, getting too much information from Nagy in his ear pre-snap instead of just going out there and playing. You know, I think a lot of it is the offensive line. I think if they get that figured out, like I said, everything should fall into place. But then you take a look at the, the, the first game against the Packers, and and instead of Matt Nagy attacking the Packers' weakness, it seemed like he was trying to get a lot of his 202 stuff out there. He wanted to impose his will on a defense, which is fine if you have that kind of offense. But I don't think the Bears are at that elite offensive of status. The Bears need to, to game plan around what they can do and not what they want to do. And I think moving forward, that's something that they're going to have to learn. And, you know, that's probably something that they, that they, they got to figure out during the bye week because, you know, there are just some games that have, that have taken place, you know, in the early part of the season where, as fans, we're wondering, why aren't they doing this or why aren't they doing that? Because it's worked for other teams in the past weeks. I think that's something that Coach Matt Nagy has to do. Um, and I think with the quarterback, you know, I think the quarterback play will, will pick up a little bit here. Like he's mentioned, the Washington game, he played pretty good. Um, he, he had some, some pressure in that game. I think the Vikings game with Chase Daniel, you know, he played, he played a, a really efficient brand of football. And from what the coach said, you know, he didn't change the game plan at all for him. You know, it's unfortunate that Trubisky had his injury when he did because, you know, I, I anticipated he was going to start picking things up. I just think he's a guy that kind of, he thinks too hard. He's too hard on himself in the off season. He tries to take everything he's learned and put it all into place. And it takes him a while to get going. That's one of the reasons why we saw him have a slow start last year. I think that's why we've had him. We saw him with a slow start this year. And then of course the offensive line troubles don't help him out at all. So, you know, moving forward, I mean, he, he'll, he'll never be that elite guy that Bears fans want him to be, but I think he's going to be a good quarterback if he's, you know, given a time and the Bears have all indication of giving him that time to learn. When you read, when we read your articles, it's clear, and you mentioned it earlier in our talk just now, that you watch a lot of film. And one of the things that Nagy talked about leading up to this season is we're going to look at the tape from last year and run the plays that, that Trubisky is comfortable with, that I like. And I keep on going back to the Tampa game last year where we were so successful when they ran a trip formation primarily to the right side, and the two outside receivers would do deep post patterns, and the inside receiver would run a wheel route behind those two runners, and that guy was open, Burton was open, Cohen was open, there was a, another receiver that I can't remember, I think it was Miller, was open on the play, and you're using you know, Miller and Robinson as decoys, and that opens up that wheel route and I don't think we've seen that play run three times since the Tampa game. Why aren't we running plays that worked last year? Why are we still doing 37 different formations when we need to do what works? Yeah, part of it is just, you know, the defensive kind of, they, they made a chance to scout as well. So the defense is making adjustments. I know they've tried that, 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 uh, that wheel route played at Cohen a couple times. I know one time that he was missed. Um, I forget if it was Daniel or Trubisky, uh, but but he was open, but they missed him. And, you know, it's it's there. It's just a matter of, I think, like I said, I think right now they're just trying to, to force a lot of the stuff, what they learned, they're trying to get a lot of the new stuff in. And I think, again, the self-scouting this week, I mean, we're going to find out exactly what's, what, what happened, you know, during the bye on Sunday. You know, if, if they come out and they have an efficient offense that we know it worked, if they come out, it's the same old sloppy stuff we've seen. Then, we, then, then there's going to be a, a much bigger problem in Chicago. But, 
You know, it's a matter of, of the, the, the stuff with the formations. You know, that's just kind of a West Coast staple. You know, they, they run a lot of the same stuff and give you a lot of different looks. They call it the, 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 the window dressing there, but that's just going to be part of the, the scheme moving forward. It's what all the West Coast offenses do. It's, it's the Andy Reid. It's, it's the, uh, you know, the, the Doug Peterson. You know, they all kind of give you the same thing, and they all kind of tweak it as they go. Again, I, I think the offense will be fine. It's just a matter of uh, getting everyone on the same page and getting that offensive line back, back clicking. Well, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that I think Nagy has cut down the formations. Um, I do think that he has simplified things. I just feel like at the end of the day, you can only do so much when you, on first down, you're getting less than three yards, which is what's happening a lot. They've been atrocious on first down. Yeah. And when you're bad on first down, your play calling is is going to be it's going to be terrible. It allows the defense to just you know pin their ears back and come after you. And I think what defenses have done to them this year, and it started with Green Bay, is they're not going to ever come out of this kind of nickel or big nickel looks because they ha- they see no reason to. So if you're going to run this RPO, they don't care if you run the ball. They're like, great, go ahead run the ball, but we're going to be ready for the passing game. They're going to sit back and say, you know what, we're going to rush four or five and, you know, at most, and they're going to sit back and they're going to wait for, they're going to make Mitch Trubisky beat them with their arms. So that's why a lot of these, you know, things that take more time to develop aren't happening. And then when you have the offensive line play as badly as they've played, it's just a perfect storm, um, you know, of, of, not, of that stuff not working uh, in order for, you know, there to, to be any kind of a, a play action threat, the run has to work sometimes. My thing is that at this point, let's just let Mitch play. Let's just let him throw the ball. Let him, let him, you know, try to throw it downfield. Let him try to make plays. If, if they turn the ball over, so be it. But I just don't think we're getting anywhere. You know, and I just said this before we were talking earlier. I just don't think we're getting anywhere with this half, in half out you know if we're gonna try to be what we were in denver and think that's gonna make a deep run in the playoffs it's not um you know a defense you know that this defense wins championships mentality it only goes so far you know every super bowl is like 45 to 40 now so yeah. it's like except for last year yeah right but at the end of the day, like, you know, you still have to be able to make plays in, in the passing game. And I don't want to see us in this in this situation where we've got Mitch on a fifth-year contract making $20 million, and this is what we've got is, like, this kind of, you know, hamstrung, handcuffed game manager guy. Like, it's just we could we could get that for, for from somebody else for half the money. That's how yeah. I feel. Yeah, you mentioned the problems at first down, and that has been a problem. I mean, it really hurts a play caller. You know, you have a lot of uh, a, a second and long and third and long situations. You know, and one thing I like to see the Bears do is, like like you said, you know, the Bears aren't running the ball good right now, and, and, and teams know that. You know, so they are playing a lot of nickel. They're not really running too much base against the Bears, and they're trying to to trying to make the Bears, you know, do 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 what they want to do with the RPOs, and, and they're not running the ball. So uh, one thing you mentioned about formation, I've seen the Bears do a lot of bunch stuff this year. And, and to me, if you're going to run the ball out of bunch, and you're not blocking very well. That's just that's just there's no point in that. If you're gonna try and run the ball, let, let's get these guys spread out a little more. Let's give your offensive line more angles to block with. Because when you bring everyone in tight and you try and run and you're not a good blocking team, that's not really the best way to go. And then plus, you know, there's no fullback on the roster. They're not really doing a lot of, a lot of stuff with the lead. So you got to get more inventive in your running game. And that's stuff that we saw. Uh, 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 the OC Mark, Mark Halford's do when he was in Oregon, you know, they were a very good uh, running team. They, they ran the inside zone really well there. They understood how to spread a defense out and, and attack angles. So again, it's all about the self scouting during the buy. If that's something they went back to, and maybe we'll see a little more of the spread out formations and, and more of the inside zone stuff. Cause that's the bears, the bears bread and butter. They want to run the inside zone. They want to run the, the, uh, the, the, the run pass option off the, off, off of that. And if that's clicking, it makes everything fall into place. But again, I'm going to keep going back to it. If the offensive line can't run block, you know, there's no point. Cause I think the bears have had two decent run plays all year. One was that, that big sweep to Patterson. And then one, I think uh, uh, the rookie Montgomery had, had a, he was stuck at the line and he bounced off for like 20 yards. But other than that, it's just been, you know, a, a couple yards here and there. There's no creases. There's no holes. Uh, there's nowhere for him to go. You know, we have not seen what David Montgomery is because he has nowhere to run. 
Yeah. David Montgomery is averaging about two, 3.2 yards per carry. And there's been a lot of clamoring um, on Twitter, you know, Bears Twitter, we like to call it. About the the lament of not having Jordan Howard. Well, Jordan Howard, I think, was 3.7 yards for his entire year last year, and a lot of those yards came in the last four games of the year. He didn't perform well at all in the first 12 games. So, you know, like you said before, we've got to get the line moving. Uh, Lester, before we let you go, what are your thoughts for this Sunday against the Saints and? When you take a look at the schedule, when we first looked at it just a couple of weeks ago, we're thinking, oh, God, we're three and two, and look who we have to face. And now all of a sudden, Dallas isn't playing as well as they were. The Rams aren't playing as well as they, they were. Minnesota is Minnesota. Detroit looks tough. Green Bay yeah. looks beatable. Kansas City looks beatable. So your thoughts on the Saints game and the rest of the season moving forward? You know, like you mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you look at the, at the second part of the Bears schedule and you're, you're, it's pretty daunting. But then you look at, you know, the Eagles got beat. You know, the, the Cowboys have lost a couple in a row. The, the Chiefs have lost a couple in a row. The Lions, yeah, they look better, you know, but they still lost the game. And they're still, at the end of the day, they're, they still have to prove what they are. And they're 2-2-1. Two, two and one. You know, they, 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 they've lost some games they probably shouldn't have lost. But at the end of the day, good teams find a way to win. And right now the Lions are, are not really doing that. Um, the Packers, I think the Bears had them the first week, and obviously, you know, the, the, the situation was, you know, they, they, they didn't want to run the ball. They tried to get a little too cute with the, with the passes there. So the Bears can hang with anyone on their schedule. Uh, the fact that w- will they, you know, it's all going to be up to the offense if they can do what they need to do. I think the defense will be fine, even with the injury to Hicks. I think they'll be okay there. You know, uh, Akeem Hicks, you know, he should be back in eight weeks for the, for the what they call it, one of the stretch run of the playoffs if the Bears are in, in, in that position. So I think moving forward, the Bears can win, you know, every game that's up in their schedule. That you know, the Chargers are in a couple of weeks. You know, they don't look as good as they used to look. They got a ton of injuries. And plus, I, I like the Bears' chances when they go against the uh, quarterback that's that's not really mobile, in um, Philip Rivers. So I think I like the Bears in that game. You know, I think this week's gonna really set the tone for the for the rest of the Bears' season. You know, if they go out there and, and they play well, I think that's gonna give them the confidence to go forward. If they go out there and lay an egg you know, this season could turn and, and, and go the other way. Lester Wolfong, ladies and gentlemen, Lester, thank you so much for coming on our show. You're, you're always invited. So if you ever, if you ever want to reach out to either Aaron or myself, to, because you want something to say on our show, the platform is always yours. You have to read, if you're a Bears fan and you're not reading Les Wolfong's work on Windy City Gridiron, you need to have your Bears card revoked because there's nobody better at it. Les, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Have a good one. Thanks, Lester. We'll, we'll be right back after a word from Tick Splits, and we're going to talk about our thoughts on the upcoming week. And then we're going to do our Bears segment on history. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from Tick Splits. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TickSplits.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TickSplits.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TickSplits.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TickSplits.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every event everywhere. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks to Lester Wilfong, Windy City Gridiron. Check him out. Uh, don't miss the work they're doing over there. Great stuff. Great stuff on Twitter. Uh, great stuff on their site. They have great writers uh, doing great work. Um, and, of course, thanks again to our sponsor, Tick Splits. Uh, we appreciate that. So, uh, you know, he obviously had some uh, nice things to say, uh, some interesting analysis. Um, you know, he, he kind of said a lot of what we've been saying and a lot of people have been saying is um, Bears have got to get the offense rolling. I mean, I, I I can't imagine that anybody's more shocked and dismayed than Nagy is at how this has gone, um, you know, and, uh, I, you know, you can't just point to one thing. It's not just Mitch. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just, you know, it's, it's all those things. It's all those things not working together. So, Hopefully when we get, uh, you know, some 
a switch of some players. I think Coward is a guy that that can get to the second level. Um, you know, then then things will get rolling. Um, I do one of the things I do trust Nagy to do, and that they've always been pretty successful at, is to have a good script coming into the game um, for the first you know few series. Um, so hopefully we see that. And he's got uh, you know, and then and then once we're successful in that, you know, we just keep it rolling from there. Right now, you know, the Saints um, are a little banged up. Obviously, they're not starting their starting quarterback, but Bridgewater has played well. Uh, there's some talk about we'll have to watch Kamara because he has a high ankle sprain um, whether or not he plays is questionable um, at this point so um, if he doesn't play that's a huge I mean that's huge because um, he's him and Michael Thomas are their entire offense uh, you know Michael Thomas has 53 catches and n- nobody has even close to that on the team the next person is Kamara um, and then Jared Cook, and they're way behind. I think they have like 16. So um, it's, it's really about stopping Thomas and Kamara. And if Kamara doesn't play, then that definitely bodes well for the Bears. Uh, I think you're right. I think that you're going to see uh, Fuller shadowing Thomas with a safety help deep. Mm-hmm. And then that, that forces Bridgewater to find somebody else. So it's going to be interesting. And and I like what Lester had to say, and we've been saying it all along. It all starts up front with the offensive line. And we have to do something there. It has to get fixed, and it has to get fixed this Sunday. So uh, speaking of this Sunday, as you mentioned, we play the Saints. I don't think that uh, Breeze is playing. He has been throwing the ball around somewhat, a little bit. Kamara uh, has been dealing with, they haven't called it a high ankle sprain, but they've been talking about a high ankle issue. So what other could it be than a high ankle sprain? I don't right. know. But, but right. uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds like you, that Belichick is writing the script for injured players over at, uh, at in New Orleans. So yeah. that's that's the whole key to the game is the, the, the Bears – Defense has to continue to be what the Bears' defense has been. Even a couple of years ago, back when they they played New Orleans a few years ago in New Orleans, and this is the Zach Miller catch, non-catch issue, um, the defense played stellar. The Bears should have won that game. If, if Zach Miller's touchdown isn't overturned, they probably do win that game. And that was a with an offense that was far less talented than the offense we have today. So there's a lot of good things to look forward to this week and next week against San Diego. San Diego has not been playing well. And then we get into the meat of the schedule with the Eagles and the Lions twice. And, and you know, you've got a, a Giants team that's easily beatable. At least they have been so far. Until you get to the you know the last few weeks of the schedule when you have the Rams and Kansas City and the Packers and Detroit and and the Vikings, so there's there's room for optimism here, but it all hinges upon what we see moving forward after the bye week. We're talking every every week on uh, Halitech Hall. We talk Bears history. And uh, there was an interesting topic that just came up today. And there was a, a Twitter feed uh, that was showing highlights from Gail Sayers. And Mike North, love Mike North. Uh, uh, he tweeted about Gail, and he was one of the best he's ever seen. He was one of the best I've ever seen. Said he had a conversation with Gail back when. He wasn't suffering from his current ailments. And and I think Gail asked him, he said, which one would you choose, Walter or me? And North thought about it for a moment, and he said, for one game, it'd be Gail Sayers. For a career, it would be Walter Payton. And we sit back and, and we look at the career of Gail Sayers and what could have been. And one of the comments on the Twitter feed was, if they would have had the technology back in 1968 when he was injured, as they do today in terms of medical achievements and what they can do to repair knees, maybe we could have gotten another five or six years from Gail Sayers. 
So let's do that what if. We'll start back in 1963. In 1963, the Bears had you know, Rick Caceres, they had Willie Gallimore. They, they, they tended to do running back by committee back in those days. And even when Gale Sayers was a rookie, he only averaged like 16 touches per game running the ball and another three touches receiving. Willie Gallimore was an electric running back. He was probably faster than Gale Sears was. And Willie Gallimore was killed tragically in a car accident returning to summer camp in the summer of 1964. So what if Gallimore hadn't been killed? Do the Bears draft Gale Sears? What if we had the technology in, in medicine and surgical procedures in 1968 that would have prolonged Gale's career. Gale retired in 1971. If you give him another five or six years, that gets you out to 1976, 77. Walter Payton was drafted in 1975. So if Gallimore doesn't get killed, do we draft Sayers? If Sayers doesn't get injured or had we had the medical technology in the 60s that we do today, do we ever draft Walter Payton? Aaron, I know this is a little surprise to you because I didn't mention it, but I wanted to get your reaction on those what ifs. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you can you can kind of go through history and do a lot of that with with different things. I mean, um, you know, certainly uh, Gail Sayers is a is an interesting case. Um, you know, such a such a dynamic player, such a highly regarded running back, but really such a short career. Um, and, um, you know, of course, Willie Gallimore as well. So, um, you know, it's uh, you look at um, you know uh, that kind of thing, and 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 it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, you know, if if Walter Payton, um, you know, had had the the type of uh, you know technology and 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 uh, healthcare and, and things that that he had, you know, that players have nowadays, maybe he doesn't um, you know get you know wear down as quickly. I mean, you know, or I mean. You know, so you can you can definitely do that with a lot of things. I think you know to sort of to to sort of have a parallel with today. I mean, everybody loves to talk about you know the the, the quarterback drafts. Well, if we had drafted this person, that person. Well, if we had drafted Mahomes or Watson, maybe they don't fire John Fox. Maybe we never get Khalil Mack. I mean, those are all real you know um, things, and it's kind of like a butterfly effect. You know, sort of. Uh, you know, idea where, you know, one small change in, in history can really, um, you know, alter the, uh, the course of things, uh, you know, greatly. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, um, you know, and, and I think it's definitely worth talking about. Um, but at the same time, no, you can't change it. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't make it make anything go back and you know teams are i mean they're just trying their best to to tell the future in a sense when you draft a guy and um nobody knows what's going to happen once a guy gets a contract and whether he's going to stay hungry and you know nobody knows if a if a fifth round draft pick or or a seventh round draft pick's going to you know um rise up and have the right coaching and have the right scenario um, you know, as it goes um, through and, and you just realize that when you look back in history at these players, you know, you're not just looking at um, the play on the field, but you're looking at their lives as well. And so, you know, we never think about, you know, what goes on in the outside world and in their personal lives and their family lives that might affect things, um, you know, on the field. And uh, it certainly does. So, you know, um, it's 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 interesting to talk about. It's hard to to kind of make any sort of definite um, you know declarations or or you know have any real uh, you know hot takes about it just because you know you, you absolutely don't know um, you know it, the, just just playing surfaces. I mean maybe if Walter Payton doesn't have to play on that terrible turf 
for all those times. And they, they put up some some clips of him playing in Philadelphia um, the other day where, you know, he runs for about 75 yards and he gets called back on a on a ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, offensive motion penalty, you know, and then it was I mean, he had a huge run. He got tackled really hard by Herm Edwards and that play is wiped from history, you know, on a on a penalty. You know, so it's, you know, the what if game is, is fun to play, but it's hard to play, um, you know, and hard to make a lot of um, strong determinations about. We can go what if, what if, what if all throughout history. What if George Hallis uh, wasn't late to get on the Eastland or those yeah. that you that don't know what the Eastland is? It was a it was a shuttle uh, that that. Uh, carried passengers around on the Chicago River, Lake Michigan. It capsized about 10 minutes before Hallis got there, and he could have been killed. So that would, would have altered. It might have changed the entire face of the NFL and what it is today. So you just, guys, stop. Ladies, stop. Don't do the what-ifs because it just ends up, you know, we could what if all day long. What if the Bears didn't lose the coin toss in the 1969 draft and they drafted Terry Bradshaw number one overall instead of Pittsburgh? So we can what if until the cows come home and it just doesn't change the fact that we have what we have today and we just have to live with it, love our team, hope that they can fix what is fixable and the offensive line is fixable and the offensive line will spur the rest of the offense to bigger and better things as we head into the meat of our schedule. So what a great show. Aaron, Lester Wolfong, I just absolutely think he is the best writer. Uh, of course, I said it when he was on the air. I'll say it when he's off the air. I will tweet about it. He's one of the best there is in Bears Twitterverse. You have to follow Less. If you're not following less, you're just not getting the best information from the Bears that you can possibly get. Aaron, as always, it's uh, amazing to have you producing the show and being my co-host. And let's hope for bigger and better things moving forward. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you out there. And thanks again, Lester Wilfong. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Tick Splits. Answer.